Dr. Suzanne Bruce is a board-certified dermatologist and founder and president of Suzanne Bruce & Associates. She has received numerous honors, including being named a super doctor by Texas Monthly for 17 consecutive years. She is a sought-after speaker who educates her audience on the role of plant-based nutrition in skin health and in managing and treating several common and uncommon skin diseases. Let's listen in. That last talk was a great talk, and I can cut to the chase on mine. If you have a healthy gut, you'll have healthy skin. So that's that's pretty much the whole story there. But I'll go into a little more detail here. But So I won't go into a lot of detail on this because you, you just heard it beautifully in the previous talk. But um, basically, you're, it, it's called the gut-skin axis. There's a lot of interplay between what's going on in the gut with our microbiome and what's going on with our skin health. So this is kind of, again, a, a busy diagram, but at the bottom there, you've got the, the, um, the gut barrier, and you can see the microbes that are producing um, some of these, the unhealthy microbes produce these toxic products, there's neurotransmitters, there's alterations of the T and B cells, and so forth. And then if you have a dysbiotic gut with the overproliferation of those unhealthy microbes, that can affect on the, uh, the left side of the screen, that's the healthy skin, and it can turn healthy skin into unhealthy skin and affect the skin microbiome. So that's why you know it's so important to keep that gut microbiome healthy because if you get a dysbiotic skin microbiome, that releases inflammatory cytokines and that causes chronic inflammation, which can result in these uh, list of diseases at the top there. So these are some of the diseases uh, of the skin that we do have studies pointing to evidence that diet affects these various diseases. I don't know why that hopped ahead. Let me go back on that previous slide. But, and as that saying goes, genes load the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. We definitely know there's genetic predisposition to things like acne, psoriasis, eczema, uh, male pattern hair loss, and female pattern hair loss. But lifestyle, it doesn't mean you're predestined to get these things because the lifestyle and diet can pull the trigger. So one of the most common skin conditions we see in the U.S., of course, is acne. 85% of people ages 12 to 24 experience at least minor acne. And of course, we know now in the U.S. with rates of obesity and overweight and unhealthy diet being so predominant, it's not surprising we see a lot of acne. But if you look at studies, ethnographic studies around the world, there are populations where they have no acne, like these, uh, this native tribe in Papua New Guinea, no acne, this Guarani tribe in South America, no acne. If you look at Japan pre-World War II, they didn't really have acne, or the Inuit uh, tribes in Canada, no acne. But then after World War II, as the Japanese diet began to become more westernized, rates of acne, just like rates of prostate cancer and other Western diseases have gone up. The same with the Inuit in Canada. Now they see acne in uh, those folks. So when I was a resident back in the 80s in dermatology, we were taught that you know, when you hit puberty, your hormones kick in, the testosterone goes up, it activates your oil glands in your skin, and then the, uh, the lining of the pore 
overproliferates and gets blocked. You get blackheads and whiteheads. And then the P. acnes bacteria gets trapped behind that blockage. They overproliferate by feeding off the sebum, and you get the red inflamed papules. And of course, all that is still true. But now we know that a big part of that is the um, what's going on in the gut. And so the diet has a big effect on that. So there have been a number of studies that have indicated a correlation between having gut dysbiosis, those unhealthy gut bacteria predominating, and correlating that with more acne. And some of the, patho, the, the pathophysiologic mechanisms that have been worked out is via the um, high glycemic load diets trigger increased insulin levels and increased insulin-like growth factor signaling, and that stimulates the mTOR pathway, and then that leads to the development of acne. Same with a high-fat diet can result in the gut dysbiosis, the overproliferation of the unhealthy bacteria, chronic inflammation. So those are two pathways that we can get it. That mTOR pathway causes your skin to become oily. You get increased lipid synthesis and then the hyperplasia or overgrowth of the keratinocytes. Also, the other thing that stimulates mTOR is leucine, which is a common amino acid in meat and dairy proteins. So... um, We have a number of observational studies. This was a big meta-analysis that looked at the correlation between high GI diets, glycemic index diets, so that would be a lot of processed foods and so forth. And they um, have shown that it supports an association between high glycemic index and acne. And then there are even some randomized control trials showing that if you put people on a low glycemic index diet, their acne gets better. Uh, I went ahead too far. Let me go back on that. So uh, so as far as dairy, that same meta-analysis looked at the correlation between dairy and acne, and 70% of those studies supported that we do think dairy exacerbates acne, and uh, particularly um, whey protein from dairy. So a lot of teenage boys are taking supplements or powders with whey protein trying to bulk up and they come in with bad acne. We don't have any randomized controlled trials on dairy, but there's definitely anecdotal evidence. And when kids come in, we tell them avoid dairy, you know, meat, processed foods, high fat foods, whey supplements, try to up the amount of fiber, i.e. plants in the diet, and decrease the animal products in the diet. I recommend to the teenagers that come in with acne to try to get them to read this book. It was written by um, Nina and Randa Nelson, who are the daughters of Jeff Nelson, who's very prominent in the plant world. And they actually grew up plant-based, but then they started eating a lot of peanut butter, which was very high fat, and they started getting acne. So they you know, dove into the literature and the medical literature, wrote this book. So I, I give it to the teenagers, trying to get them to read it. Some will, some won't, but a lot of them just want to stick with their pizzas and uh, french fries and pizza and uh, all that. Uh, a related condition that's sometimes called adult acne is rosacea. So this is where about 5.5% of the adult population in the U.S. has it. It affects both men and women. The skin gets very red, very inflamed. They get pimples and outbreaks, and it can be pretty miserable. They have flushing. There have been a number of studies associating rosacea with problems in the gut, things like H. pylori infection, inflammatory bowel disease, the SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So, you know, statistically, that if you have rosacea, you're more, co- uh, more likely to have one of those. And the common thread, of course, is the gut dysbiosis, the overproliferation of the unhealthy bacteria. In addition to GI problems in rosacea, there's increased uh, problems with neurologic diseases like 
Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, higher rates of coronary artery disease, um, hyperlipidemia, and basal cell carcinoma type of skin cancer, all of those are increased in rosacea. Another kind of sort of related condition to acne is hydradenitis suppurativa. And this acne involves the um, sebaceous glands on the face, chest, and back. And hydradenitis involves the apocrine glands, which is a type of sweat gland. And these people are just miserable. They have draining, pus-filled, boil-like things in their um, armpits and groin area. And it can be just horrible. There have been a lot of studies showing People with hydradenitis have higher rates of diabetes, up, up to 30%. The obesity prevalence is 75%, and they have double the risk of death of cardiovascular disease. Again, all the same problems that are um, causing these you know, common chronic Western diseases, that's what's causing the hydradenitis. So we, there have been some studies looking uh, more specifically at diet and the prevention of hydradenitis and pointing out that the casein in dairy increases the IGF-1, and then the whey in dairy and also the highly refined simple carbohydrates raise the insulin levels. So again, through those same mechanisms and the effects on the androgen receptor. So we try to get the hydradenitis patients to, again, get off of dairy and go plant-based. Another very common disease that we see being affected by diet is psoriasis. About 3% of adults in the U.S. have psoriasis, so it, that makes it one of the most common immune-mediated immune diseases in the U.S., and at least the self-reported prevalence appears to be going up. Same story, all of these comorbidities. Psoriasis patients have higher rates of obesity, dyslipidemia, heart disease, stroke, psoriatic arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, and on and on and on, all those chronic Western diseases. So same story. There have been studies looking at their gut microbiome, and they have a reduced number of the beneficial gut microbes, and that um, is affecting uh, the bacteria that get into the systemic circulation through that impaired barrier there. And then that improper activation of immune pathways drives those immune cells to attack the skin cells, resulting in the redness and swelling and uh, uh, joint pains and so forth. This was a study looking at psoriatic arthritis patients in Brazil. Almost 93% of them were obese. 54% had metabolic syndrome. And in the people that had a lot of joint disease activity, they had higher body, higher percent body fat. And then the skin disease activity was worse in folks that had the high cholesterol and LDL. So it's all kind of going together. This was a case report in 2021 of a woman with psoriatic arthritis who was able to get her disease to go into remission by adopting the whole food plant-based diet. And as um, was pointed out earlier, there's many, many anecdotal, we don't have a lot of randomized controlled trials, but there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that like at True North or I'm sure people that the Chalas have worked with, they can get their psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis to go into remission. So when we have patients coming in with psoriasis, we're explaining to them about, you know, the same diet that's causing their psoriasis could cause them to have heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, diabetes, et cetera. So we try to get them to read these books and try to, you know, motivate them to to make changes. And some will and some won't, but, you know, we're always attempting to get them to go that way. And in particular, people with psoriatic arthritis, it's very similar to rheumatoid arthritis, can be very debilitating. And Clint Pattison is an Australian who had um, pretty bad uh, rheumatoid arthritis, 
and he was able to reverse it with a plant-based diet. So he now has this program where he's helped thousands of people with adopting a whole food plant-based diet. He's got a book and a website and online coaching. So again, we try to direct people to a resource like that or working with the Chalas here locally to try to reverse their disease. Another very common skin disease that affects about 15 to 30% of children and 10% of adults is atopic dermatitis. And the prevalence seems to be going up in urban areas. And again, we think that gut-skin axis plays a role. But these people are red and itchy and just miserable. Studies have shown decreased gut microbial diversity, reduced number of the beneficial microbes, and increased proportion of the bad actors, the bad microbes in the, uh, microbes in the gut. And it's getting back to that leaky gut that we heard about in the last talk. When you have that leaky gut, it allows toxins to get across the barrier, food residues and pathogens to access the blood circulation. And then when they reach the skin, they release those pro-inflammatory cytokines that makes the skin red and itchy, and, and these folks are just miserable. So we are encouraging atopic patients to eat more fiber, the beans, vegetables, whole grains, eat fermented foods to get the beneficial bacteria, avoid alcohol, drink less or ideally no alcohol. And again, sometimes we can get it to do it, sometimes we can't. Another autoimmune disease that is so interesting because it's so visible, that's the thing about skin diseases is you can see what's happening you know, right with your own eyes. And alopecia areata is an autoimmune disease that can cause hair loss. And in the beginning, it's often patchy with just these round patches like in the man there. But then it can start to become more and more extensive. And then the woman on the lower part of the slide there, she's got what we call alopecia universalis. She's lost everything, her hair, her eyelashes, her eyebrows, her body hair. And there's studies coming out more and more associating it with, again, um, uh, gut dysbiosis. And a large percentage of people with alopecia areata have ulcerative colitis. And it's fascinating when these case reports began to come out about had Clostridium difficile, uh, the bad bacteria in their gut, and they received a fecal microbial transplant from a healthy person to treat the Clostridium, and then they regrew their hair. Here's an example from one of those case reports where on the bottom left-hand side, uh, the, the man began to get alopecia when he was age 16. It was just kind of localized. And then by age 20, it had become where it almost lost all his hair. And he, for the C. diff infection in his gut, he received a fecal transplant from a healthy person, and then his hair grew back. So that was a dramatic um, illustration of how that gut-skin axis interplay happens. This was an interesting podcast that was on a few weeks ago on the exam room podcast by PCRM, and it interviewed these two brothers who both had alopecia areata, again, genetic predisposition, but both of them had also been on a, just a total junk food diet, so they had, you know, was getting more and more extensive hair loss from that uh, autoimmune alopecia areata, and then both of them went plant-based, reversed their hair loss, and now they've started an organization called all, it's called All Love, No Beef. So their organization is trying to get people on a plant food diet and also decrease violence in their neighborhoods and so forth. So very, very interesting podcast. 
I was surprised when I came across this evidence about androgenetic alopecia. So that is hair loss due to male pattern or female pattern hair loss. And we know that the incidence is going up of male and female pattern hair loss, and the age at onset is going down. We're seeing it in you know, younger and younger people coming in. And then this article a few years back was in uh, CNN talking about how in Asia, male pattern baldness is increasing. And so there's you know, people doing more hair transplants and all that because they're very dismayed by this uh, male pattern hair loss. And we know that men who have male pattern hair loss have higher rates of coronary heart disease, high blood pressure, and prostate cancer. So again, some of those same factors that are at play. And the diet research is pointing to, you know, things like this study from Taiwan showed that men who drank more soybean drinks were protected against moderate to severe male pattern hair loss, thought to be due to the isoflavones in the soybeans. Another study from Italy showed that high consumption of raw vegetables and fresh herbs decreased the risk of male pattern hair loss in men. So some tantalizing evidence there. So if people won't do it for health, maybe they'll do it for vanity reasons and, and eat plant-based for that reason. This is actually a study I was involved in when I was in uh, Baylor on, in the faculty back in the 90s. And in rats, uh, it's very clear if you do skin cancer where you shine UV lights on the rats and then you feed them different rat chow. If you feed them low fat, they get less skin cancer induced by the light. But if you feed them um, high fat, they get more skin cancer. So one of our faculty members got an NIH grant to look at people who've had their first basal cell carcinoma skin cancer. And then we put one group on a low-fat diet. We were trying to get to 20%, but we can only get them to 21%. And the other stayed on their standard American diet. And we did see less skin cancer in the folks that were on the low-fat intervention group. And then melanoma. There's some more and more studies coming out recently about how diet affects melanoma, um, the most deadly form of skin cancer, of course. This one from uh, Australia looked at newly diagnosed uh, melanoma patients and looked at their healthy eating index in the year before diagnosis. And the ones who had the healthier eating index were less likely to be diagnosed with thick melanomas, which the thicker the melanoma, the more risk of recurring and metastasizing. So the healthy diet seemed to help you know, alleviate that or make it less common. And the people that had the uh, low healthy eating index score had lower intakes of the fruits, beans, greens, whole grains, et cetera. And then the people with a low score had higher intakes of the high fat. Here was a study looking at the gut microbiome in melanoma, and they found that people who had melanoma had more of the unhealthy or pathogenic fusobacterium compared to healthy volunteers. And they found that the microbial diversity in patients with early-stage melanoma, they had better and higher microbial diversity compared to those with late-stage. Another one looking at melanoma prognosis and found that people eating fruit daily had a better survival rate from their melanoma than the people that ate red meat. So more and more of these studies are coming out all the time. This was one that people found very interesting because some people will say, well, I don't eat meat, but I'll still eat fish. This was an uh, NIH study <clears throat> that looked at um, folks and looked at their diet and who got melanoma, and they found that those who ate the most fish had 22% more cases of melanoma than those who ate hardly any fish. And the authors speculated that it was due to contaminants in the fish like mercury and arsenic. 
So again, if you won't do it for health reasons, how about for vanity reasons? Will you, would you eat a plant-based diet to prevent aging of the skin? We know, of course, that a huge factor is UV radiation, so sun exposure. And, but other factors like smoking, pollution, poor sleep, and certainly poor nutrition play a role. Um, here are some of the studies that have looked at diet and skin aging. Um, we know that a high-fat diet causes oxidative stress, which produces inflammatory damage, which ages the skin faster. Earlier, I think uh, one of the talks talked about these um, advanced glycation in products, and eating a high-sugar diet and eating the barbecued foods leads to the accumulation of the advanced uh, glycation in products and faster aging. So some authors use the term sugar sag, where these AGEs get in the skin and it causes a stiffening of the collagen and the elastic tissue of the skin, resulting in the sagging of the skin. And then you get this like thickening appearance with the deep wrinkles from uh, those sugar and advanced glycation end products. Some of the other studies from around the world, in uh, one looking at Patients in Greece, Australia, and Sweden show that a high intake of vegetables, legumes, and olive oil help protect against sun damage, but a high intake of meat, dairy, and butter, they got more wrinkles and sun damage. In American women, a study showed that people that ate a lot of foods with vitamin C and linoleic acid uh, had less wrinkles and less skin thinning, but if they had a higher intake of fat and carbohydrate, they had uh, more wrinkles and skin, uh, thinning of the skin. One from uh, elderly Dutch women showed a diet with red meat and a snack-dominant dietary pattern. They got more facial wrinkles, but a fruit-dominant diet, they had fewer wrinkles. Another one from Australia, this was a longitudinal one where they looked over 15 years and found that people who ate a high antioxidant capacity had uh, less aging over a 15-year period than those who ate a food with low antioxidant capacity. So we know that the antioxidants in the plant-based foods help to you know, uh, qu uh, quench those uh, reactive oxygen species from all the sun damage and so forth. So you want to really up your antioxidants by eating a plant-based diet. And of course, where do you get all the antioxidants? Here's uh, the vitamin E is the number one antioxidant in the skin, and here's where you can get it with your spinach, almonds, mango, tomatoes, but also vitamin C, vitamin A, chlorophyll are all important to, to get. This was alluded to earlier by Dr. Clapper, and uh, I thought this was very interesting, the study about body odor, where they took 17 young men and had them wear these pads in their armpit to collect the sweat for two weeks. So for two weeks, they were on a non-meat diet, and then they went off and did nothing for a, a month, and then they did another two weeks on a meat diet, so they just crossed over. And then they had women smell the pads. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd want to do that study, but <laughs> the women smelled the pads, and they judged the men on the non-meat diet as more attractive, more pleasant, and less intense than the men on the meat diet. So, and, and I mean, my husband and I talk about this, and we, we both feel like we smell better when we're, now that we're eating plant-based than we used to. So other people feel the same, or I don't know. Um, so in summary, the high-fiber diet that promotes the healthy gut microbiome, that reduces chronic inflammation in the skin, it's going to make your skin healthier. You'll avoid all those inflammatory skin diseases. And then all of the antioxidants, vitamins, phytonutrients, that's going to make your skin healthier. And of course, avoid the bad stuff, the dairy, animal products, processed foods that create the unhealthy gut and the uh, unhealthy skin. 
So I kind of adapted some of my favorite plant-based heroes, uh, adapted their quotes. Kim Williams always says, he talks about there's two kinds of, der- uh, of cardiologists. I'm going to say there's two kinds of dermatologists, vegans and those who haven't read the data. And then <laughs> Dr. Clapper says it's the food, and I'm going to say it's the food that causes acne. And Esselstyn talks about how um, heart disease is a toothless paper tiger. Same with psoriasis. It's a toothless paper tiger that need never exist. And then uh, another big hero, John um, McDougall, he recently got the award at the Plantrition Project meeting. And he says, the fat you eat is the fat you wear. And I'm going to say the fat you eat is the fat that makes your skin oily. So you want to avoid all of those animal products and, and eat plants. And thanks for your attention. Friends, I hope you enjoyed this lecture. Please share it with a loved one who can also benefit. Thanks again for listening. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this content, please share with one friend who can benefit. You can also leave us a five-star review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS. This helps us to spread our message. As always. Thank you for being a listener.